Welcome to episode 17 of the Geek Speak podcast. On today's podcast, this is one of our longest podcasts uh, that we've had. Um, We were a part of the first economic summit in Stockbridge put on by Mayor Anthony Ford and um, Ariel Shaw for the uh, Henry County Women in Business Summit. And it was the first uh, summit. They had a panel of guests that were there just speaking about economic development, uh, speaking about franchising, uh, speaking about, you know, how to do business with uh, uh, Fortune 500 companies and uh, real estate. Uh, It was jam packed. It was a jam packed episode because it had so many speakers in it. Now, the audio quality uh, may be just a little bit off. Uh, because, you know, there were a panel of guests and uh, but uh, I want you to listen and I want you to really, really take heed to the information that's in here, because it, if you're if you're an entrepreneur, you're you're in marketing uh, or you're an executive and you want to get ahead. This podcast talking about economic development, um, specifically in Henry County, is one that you need to listen to. So um, you what you need to do is strap on in if you're driving pull over put it on pause and listen to this when you have some time it's about an hour long uh podcast so you're going to be in for a treat so make sure that you listen to this all the way through and uh take down some notes because this women in business uh stockbridge may afford first henry county economic summit first stockbridge economic summit was powerful so let's listen in. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. So just speak out loud. Oh. <laughs> it's oh I and our diversity. Many of you may ask, well, what is that all about? At the end of the day, we want to ensure that who we do business with mirrors our consumers. So yes, we have contracts and global agreements with many large companies around the world. But what's most important for us is to also extend the opportunity to small businesses, small businesses in the communities in which we do business. Um, So in my role in particular, I support a number of procurement teams within the company to ensure that whenever they go out to bid, for various products or services that we may need globally, that small businesses are a part of that RFP process. And so I'm an advocate for small businesses. I ensure that they are um, included in the process and that if in fact they do win that business with Coca-Cola, that we try to help them sustain that business with Coca-Cola. So we serve as their partner throughout their journey in the Coca-Cola supply chain. So it's pretty exciting work. Um, and I've been doing it now for many years, and it's really exciting to see small businesses truly grow with a company like Coca-Cola, because when you think about it, you have to have the capacity and the capability to do the work that we need. And you have to be ready at any point to make changes as our business changes. 
So in our group, we are there to support those small businesses that are awarded that business within Coca-Cola Supply Chain. That's good. Thank you. If you can't Absolutely. So our commitment goes back many years. It was actually formalized in 2001 um, as a result of some unfortunate things that were happening at the time with Coca-Cola. So we decided to make a commitment to spend $800 million with diverse businesses over the course of five years. We surpassed that by doing over a billion um, at that time, and currently we are exceeding about $800 million annually, um, which is a record for us because we intentionally seek to do business with small businesses in every potential procurement opportunity that we have around the globe. So um, some other additional things that we simply try to focus on is development of those small businesses. Because many times small businesses are not ready to do business with Coca-Cola. And the last thing we want to do is put you out of business because Coca-Cola will still be around. So what we try to do is position you to come to the table um, when there is the opportunity available to compete for business and truly be in a position to be ready to do the work and to have the funding in the bank that you could actually do the work without having to get a check within 30 days because now our payment terms are about 120 days. Most companies aren't going to that. So as small businesses in my group, we make sure you're educated through partners such as the Greater Women's Business Council, through the Georgia Minority Supplier Development Council, and other advocacy groups around the, um, the city and also in the nation. We partner with them to extend the business knowledge that you need from a corporate perspective on how to truly do business with a, a global company like Coca-Cola. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs>
I know, I was like looking at like alternative finance and expert and I'm like wealth builder. Um, so, you know, that's a very good question. Um, the answer to that is I was given the name that I had to kind of live up to it. Um, a few years ago, I got my assignment, my purpose from God. And when you get that, you know it's something bigger than yourself, right? And so he said that I was going to change the way that people build wealth for generations and generations to come. And I remember the exact corner I was sitting in when I received that download, and I was like, how am I going to do that? Like, that's crazy, right? And so as I started thinking about all of these titles, it was wealth expert, it was this, it was that, and he said, you're the wealth builder. You're not only building your wealth, but you're to help other people build their wealth. And so as I continued to walk into those shoes, I understood that the way that I build my wealth is through real estate investing and businesses, entrepreneurship. And so in that, I get to share through books and, and stories and my information of how other people can do that for themselves for generations and generations to come. I think um, one of the biggest challenges, and so I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years. My first um, entrepreneurial venture was an Allstate insurance agency where I consider it, you know, more from a franchise model where you go in and everything's kind of spelled out. I was still at the time the youngest Allstate agent uh, at 24 to have a, my own agency, and so it was a you know, incredible, you know, shoes to walk in. And so a person who's always been in insurance and real estate, and not from a real estate, from a sales perspective, but from a development and investment perspective, I was, I never saw people that looked like me in rooms. And so um, as I would go in rooms, I began to realize it was important for me to be in those rooms, even though I was very uncomfortable in rooms where I didn't see people like me. Um, so as, as, as a woman, um, it was, you know, I look at that now and I think about what if I stop going in those rooms? And so many women that I see come, you know, behind me and someone said to me, you're a pioneer. You like pioneered, you know, women being able to invest in real estate. I'm like, really? I'm not old enough to be a pioneer. Um, but it was just like, you know, just showing up. And so I think one of the biggest challenges is for us to show up and know how important that is and how it's important for us, but we never know who else and what else that is doing to keep moving through that. Okay, thank you very much, Ms. Shaw and Mayor Ford for first allowing for me to be here. And uh, thank you, audience, for coming. Uh, Alternative Finance, I, I created this company back in 2010. I was still, I was an old, old, older returning MBA student. And uh, 
I created it while I was in, uh, back in B school down at the University of Phoenix in Columbus at the time. And I called it alternative finance because the traditional finance during that time period was still uh, pretty much non-existent in many areas. Uh, uh, it was un non-existent pretty much in many of the minority communities. Uh, it was pretty much non-existent. I was living down there in Columbus for about a year, year and a half while I was in school. Uh, it was pretty much non-existent there in Columbus. And I said, well, everybody was saying, well, this is not traditional finance. When I started talking to my funding sources and thinking about whether or not to get involved in this industry, they said, you know, it's an alternative to what the traditional stuff. And I said, okay, well, I'm just going to call it alternative finance. Yeah. And uh, the name stuck, and now the, the sad thing is that many of the things we call alternative finance in 2010, 2011, when I was doing this, are now becoming mainstream and, and is what is considered after, I guess, the last nine, eight, nine years of being very viable methods of financing companies when the bank says no, it's now become alternative. And they're buying, you know, they're, they're in partnership with banks. They're, they're beginning to loan out more, much more money in the small business sector than banks are. So now, you know, I'm wondering whether or not to make a change because it's not alternative finance anymore. It has became the mainstream. We are loaning out billions and billions of dollars in our industry, in that market sector. Uh, more money than uh, small business has ever seen before. Well, you know, being that we represent hundreds of different funding sources, what we do is facilitate and arrange the loan and also package it for the client and take them to them, take, take away the mystique out of it. Uh, we've got several different sectors, you know, and, but the sector I think many of our business owners are concerned about is what we call working capital. That's the money that's necessary to for a business to survive on a daily basis, the money that they spend far as on payroll, on advertising, on marketing, and some of the other areas, which keeps the business moving. Uh, and the working capital can come in both uh, either credit-based, where it's based off your credit, you know, you've got a 650 to 680 score, we can get term loans for startups, and then uh, also business lines of credit, uh, right, right around a 700 score. But then the, what has became the traditional way now of getting capital is through what we call uh, merchant cash advances. You know, some people have some stories that they'll tell about it, but, you know, they misuse the money. You know, I've seen people initially, you loan them $50,000, they know it's a short-term 12 to 18-month loan, and you take half of it and buy furniture with it. Well, that can provide a problem. But with that type of loan, we can usually loan money 72 hours from approval. And it usually takes 24 to 36 to get an approval. It's based off revenues. It, it can be expensive money in that sector, but it, it is able, even we, we're able to loan to people with a 475 and say, I got to have the money because the oven on went out and I ain't got no, I, ain't, I can't, I, and I got a pizza shop and I ain't got no way to, else to get the money. And then I have loan money with people who got 825 said, look, I see this business is, is going out of business. He's going to sell me all his assets. If I don't buy them, as the other small business in, in town, one of these big guys is going to buy those assets, and then they're going to try to put me out of business. He said, I need, I, I need $150,000, $200,000 like in three days, Mr. Ford. That's the, speed of, that's the speed of alternative finance, whereas many of my traditional lenders 
for $150,000 request, you know, yeah, it could take 45, 60, 75 days to get that money. So that, that particular sector is the sector that is able to get capital quickly into the hands of business owners. We say we move at the speed of business, not at the speed of the bank. Okay. That's you. good. Our biggest role with franchises is to educate the consumer or possible franchise candidate. Uh, number one, what is franchise? What is and what does it entail buying a franchise? Get, I, you know, I've been around business. I've worked for Bell South for ten years. I've been an NAACP president. I've been uh, involved with bit, loaning a lot of money out to, for building owners and single-family homeowners. But I still, you know, it never came to me. Why well, do you own a franchise? Until one day I'm just walking, you know, I'm saying, dog. We're going to this crystal, and then I see some of them say corporate store, and you know I, I do so. Crystal's got pretty good breakfast sometimes, and some of them say franchise. I mean, saying uh, local owner. I said, so you can own one of these, and that's when I began to get involved into the franchise industry. And and, and a lot of people don't know that you can own a franchise. You can own a crystal. You can own a, a Applebee's. You can own an IHOP. And it's not as hard as people would think it would be. Uh, it does take somewhat good credit, unless you, you know, got some, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars laying around and just want to buy cash. But for the most part, the franchise ownership involves what most, even if you bought a Golden Corral, the, the ability to just say I own a Golden Corral, far as the name is only going to cost you fifty, sixty thousand dollars. It's the build out that costs people. The money, and that's the same price, or maybe a little bit more. Just say, for instance, some of the mom and pop startups that you see in the community, their build-out costs are going to be pretty close to. If it's say, if it was this chicken, uh, chicken, chicken restaurant, it's going to be pretty much the same build-out cost for a KFC as it is for a nice mom and pop fried chicken spot. The the difference is the fifty or sixty thousand dollars you pay for the franchise, but by the mere fact that you got something that's named KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, if somebody's just passing down the road, if they want chicken, they're going to stop there. But if you call Joe's Fried Chicken, they're going to look and wonder, who is Joe? <laughs> Should I stop? Is it safe? Especially if you're talking about picking up people just coming down uh, whatever major thoroughfare it might be. And then if you're inside a, inside of a neighborhood like concept, they'll never even see you. So, our job is to educate those individuals on the mystique of, yes, you can own a franchise. It's easier than you think. And for us to hold their hand through the process on finding what is the right franchise concept, because franchises are not just restaurants. I, I think I put a flyer in everybody's booklet that will indicate some of the various industries. But also, there are various industries, and also, there are various ways to finance those. So that's our role, to help out in that capacity.
And then this is really like the right now, which is helping you locate. We're sitting with an $18 million reserve right now. So we have one to spend. And so for us, it makes sense to find a project to spend money on, processing your permit much faster, and really, you know, that kind of the planning and zoning. Really making sure we work with you, and we have a great team, a great community operator, a great business uh, license department. So we can turn these things around pretty quickly. And I think the folks who have gotten a proper research in the city will tell you we've done a great job in assisting all operations. So really our incentives are like just being able to work with you, help the process. We're a one-stop shop in the city. So be able to call me and say, hey, where's the land? What can we buy? What can we do? What do you have for sale right now? How can we really do that? So we, we are working on some other, I want to I say yeah, we're working on some bring some accounts that we can look at some of approval in like a tax allocation district, a CID and establish. Thank you. This question is actually for me activities, we have activities almost every month anyway, what we do, but we want to enhance those, and we 
want to make sure that you understand the stock is here, about to have the stock rift, and you can come down and visit it and have a good time. Well, the, uh, the amphitheater for Centennial is going to be at a fantastic bright star that's going to bring you to the area. But it's also going to be part of the thing that helped us redevelop our downtown area for small businesses, whether they're uh, women-owned businesses, which my wife is using a business owner herself, or in a sense for businesses for veterans and for other minorities. And we're very diverse, so we want to be inclusive of everybody. So and also, it's not that kind of another aspect in the downtown area, and also we have what's called Jordan South, which is how it's taken by the Jordan Road, the southern part of Stockbridge. And we're established working with design guidelines and finalizing those guidelines without the potential development. Now you've got to realize that you don't own the land, it's privately owned and have the own developer, but it is inside the city of stop building, otherwise the guidelines for which they can build businesses, uh, housing units, condos, uh, single family homes, uh, commercial businesses, they have to be by the guidelines which we establish. And we're working through the process right now to finalize that with the staff and with the developer themselves. So uh, we're very proud of actually it will also be set up in the sense where that small businesses or even major organizations and businesses uh, change would be more attractive to the, I would think more attractive to the Jordan South Melbourne aspect because it's that city and, and, and Jordan Road, whereas that's a little more difficult in, in the sense that we're going to make it easier as easy as possible to get down here and have a thriving downtown. We're just on the verge of really striking the bridge and showing the gold right now, the diamond up. You ladies like diamonds, right? Program we just signed actually just signed the council approved and I just signed last year we we're, we're trying to open up that aspect in the sense to to uh, have more diversity in reference to contracts so contractors for business that we're doing in the city itself and that's really handled by our community director which is also dual manager assistant manager which James does work for them so I don't know if you want to ask any further James or or should I try to, to handle this? Well, I think you answered it very clear. I think you mean go to the procurement officer and obviously go to Camilla. Okay. What's that? Sorry. Yes, I'm a senator. We need to know more about our program. We're going through our folks' parents' model process. I know that you've worked with a very easy process online as well. So it's very simple. I think Mary did a really good job answering that. So it's hard to find a little bit of great answer. Commitment to empower 5 million women on 
well, that's next year. And so how are we doing? Thus far, as of December 31st, 2018, we've acquired 3.2 million. How have we done that? We partnered with a number of governments, um, NGOs, and other nonprofit organizations to offer enabling activities such as business skills training, access to capital and financing, and also mentoring and peer networking. Because what we found is that many women entrepreneurs face challenges in those areas. So we go bold, we produce products, we produce Thank you. 
register your business, upload your certification. The second step would be to just simply follow where we are throughout the nation at various trade shows and business fairs. We bring our permanent teams to these fairs because we don't publicize our permanent opportunities. The best opportunity for you is to network, to get to understand how those opportunities come <laughs> um, so the vault um, is a, a physical structure, and um, about 15 months ago, we acquired our first vault. Oh, we acquired our first vault. So it all started kind of, you know, accidental, and then as we, um, as the vision started unfolding, you know, we kind of kept going with it, and so in short. The, vault, uh, the vaults are old bank buildings that we use to do programming out of, out of them. In the arts, entrepreneurship, wealth, and wellness. So these vaults are designed to really help to uh, revitalize urban communities or uh, communities that are going through revitalization, which is a lot of them. So the vault kind of anchors these areas and then around them, as the, the, the people are looking for resources for home ownership, for financial literacy, for learning about uh, wellness, we do yoga, Pilates, nutrition classes going on now at our Vault East Point as, as we're sitting here. And so we have all this great programming that comes out of it to fit whatever community needs. Um, our first flagship location is in downtown Atlanta on Peachtree Street. So that vault really services more of the corporate um, clientele, and that's where we run our vault foundation out of. And so we really focus on all of those pillars, and just since I've been here tonight, 
we have opened two more vaults. Looks like a vault's coming in Conyers. <laughs> Shout out to Vault Conyers and uh, then of course Vault Stockbridge. Um, and so I do encourage you to go and get more information at wearethevault.com. Wearethevault.com to see how you can get involved and how we can use these vaults to really change um, our communities as, as kind of that flagship place where everything, all of the programming, we're unlocking resources out of the vaults. Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and, you know, even tonight, um, the skirt that I'm wearing is from one of our entrepreneurs, um, and part of the, the vault, because we really focus on entrepreneurship in terms of if you have a business, a business idea, you need funding, you need information, the things that you need, we really help you to build your business and then allow you a place to showcase your art, um, your business from pop-ups and different things like that. And so we're really concerned about how to uh, give those platforms to the businesses and then provide the information. For me, um, it was really a labor of love of taking real estate and repurposing it into something that could really make a community better, and that community is however we you know, define it. And as we start thinking about like the artist community, I love the arts, but I hate that there are so many starving artists. And it's like when I look at the amount of talent that artists have, what's missing is they don't understand that they're running a business. And so we bring those artists in and really give them wall space, which is the, the first part of the answer, but then they need to have the financial information. They need to be structured as a business because all of this leads back to our home ownership deficit and our ability to own land um, and own really successful businesses. I heard Sylvester uh, say the word credit like five times in his, um, you know, talking about his business in terms of there's a big difference of what you get at a 475 versus that 825 that you got done in three days, you know? And so credit is a big piece of what we talk about just from a wealth building perspective. And, you know, a lot of it is just really simple in terms of building wealth one dollar, one decision at a time. We think that it goes to like, you know, we need a lot of money, um, you know, to, to be wealthy and that's, we just need the right mindset, um, you know, to do that. So we really focus on the mindset, on credit, on getting out of debt. All those things make it really hard for you to go to the next level in your personal life, in your business, and so that's what it's, what it's really about. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So um, Ariel had the opportunity to come into one of our women wealth building celebrations. And so I started the celebration about three years ago where I say women celebrate everything else, but we don't celebrate building wealth. 
And so uh, March is Women's History Month, so I always take that month to just recognize women who are, you know, I bought a house this year, yay! You know, I started my business, you know, I built another stream of income, I got out of debt. So we like celebrate those kind of things because it really took a lot of discipline, you know, to do it. And so we provide this place where, you know, people need more, sometimes they need more information than money. Everybody thinks they need money when they're building their business. And sometimes it's about the mentorship, the information, access. And so, yeah, we do fund a lot of the businesses, help them to be uh, more profitable. And I invest personally in a lot of businesses, you know, as well, to really help them grow. Yay. Wonderful. So, Yay. Yay. I have one more question for you, You're really passionate about real estate, real estate, real estate, real estate, real estate. Can you tell me why? Yeah. Um, so when I was like 12 years old, I grew up in Jackson, Mississippi, and I, I know. So <laughs> I spent a lot of time with my grandparents because my sister and I were like these latchkey kids uh, coming from a single parent household. So we spent a lot of time in our grandparents' house who had a farm. And I would spend, spend time there in the summers. I would always go and help my grandfather do what's called pet laying in the south. And so that's when you would take everything you grew, your produce, your okra, your collard greens, black eyed peas, and you take them into the city and you sell them. And so I was really, you know, just trying to hang out with my granddad, but I didn't realize that, you know, I was enjoying creating money. And so we own tons of land in Mississippi even now, and my grandfather, when I was 12 years old, he said to me, he who owns the land calls the shots. And I thought, like, you know, of course I'm 12, but, you know, it was like I wanted to be a shot caller, but it took me a while to catch up to what that really meant, you know. And as I started my career, you know, going to college, getting an MBA, you know, getting a job, all the stuff you think you're supposed to do, my grandfather was always saying, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're, you're an entrepreneur. And he really kind of just kept in my ear and challenged me that even though I was leaving, living in Atlanta, that I had to buy property. And I was telling him that this was the big city, that you know this was not Mississippi, you just don't come in Atlanta buying property. And he said, you have to buy property, you have to invest, you have to own land. And so that was something that as I, you know, continued my um, development and I would buy property myself, people would start coming to me saying, how are you doing this? And I thought everybody had a grandfather telling them to buy land, you know? And so that's what, you know, I would do these little seminars in my house on like Wednesday night, just having people in my living room, showing them how to buy real estate, invest in real estate which is how books and stuff got birthed out of it, because I said, if I write a book, I can get all these people at my house. And so, but yeah, that didn't work, yeah. <laughs>
the right kind of way. They say they're doing it now. We're expecting them to be talking about 35,000. The next census, you know, in the Atlanta, we need to expect them to grow up to five billion people. We're going to be seeing a lot of that growth right now. We're going to be seeing I think Stockard is going to see a lot more growth in other areas. Right now, two cities, my opinion, are doing the best in growing classes. We can go to the women's college park in East Point. Our former Americans weren't really the groundwork right there. We go over there downtown to growing. We're going to grow the south side. The north is going to be growing up a lot. You see the metro, you see Cobb grow. There's not a lot more room to grow on the north side. So for us, we're looking at the next 10 years. We owe 50,000 people. We're at 35,000. You remember, we were 21,000 10 years ago. 22,000 10 years ago. So you think I'm thinking, how much stuff we've grown in 10 years? It's going to be huge. What I want to say to you all is that uh, we actually uh, have hired a contract called Blood Firm, which is also a sponsor uh, here for this event. And they worked with us and citizens in reference to working on a comprehensive plan, what we want to look like 10, 20, 30 years out. And we created all this several months or so ago. And that is, that is the guide that we're going to use as we continue to grow here at Southbridge, where we want the residential to go, where we want the commercial to go, how we want to work with in reference to the overall structure of transportation within our city limits and visitation, how we want all the same on this. And I will emphasize this back to what James said, that we're going to grow. The county's going to project to grow. We're going to continue to be the largest city. I would say this is going to be last year and in this aspect. And we're going to move up the chain in reference to the, the uh, smaller or mid-sized city here in Georgia. And we're going to continue to be a very diverse community. That's why economic development conference is coming here. That's why we're going to business in Henry County. It's very important in reference to uh, women, in reference to what's going to happen before about diversity. And, and other minorities because we are very much diverse. That's what we want to stand on and it's going to continue to grow. Nothing but the right future. So I just want to add that uh, to James' comments and okay? Thank you. Has the, um, will the report be on the website? Uh, the, yeah, the report is. Uh, the comments oh, right, is, I'm sorry, okay. it is on the website. It, uh, do I need to say the mic there? No, no I was just okay, making yeah, my yeah, notes. <laughs> Franchise ownership is much easier than people realize. Uh, most franchises are bought in one of three ways. The first way is that people are able to qualify for an SBA loan. Well, you know, nowadays SBA loans are much easier to qualify for than they've ever been before. And it still takes 60 to 90 days, but they're much easier to qualify. Uh, we use some very lenient SBA lien uh, underwriting as far as, far as the quality of the underwriting far it will allow for some deals to get through that from some of the bigger and larger banks wouldn't go through. Uh, you're talking about 10 to 15 percent down so that means for instance as I, I think I used the example of a, a KSC or, uh, or something of that nature just say a $200,000 build out 
along with, say, $150,000 build out, $50,000 franchise fee, you're talking about $200,000 is the total cost for that franchise. Uh, you're talking about anywhere out of pocket, twenty dollars to $30,000, which is not a whole lot of money because, you know, a brother and sister team can go into business, two friends can go into business, or you can have $30,000. You know, a lot of people got, in today's economy got $30,000 laying around. Uh, or you can have someone to invest that on your behalf. The next way is to be able to uh, take your 401k, either use it for the down payment or for the entire purchase, uh, and be able to buy, buy the franchise. Because then some of the franchises does not, do not require that you have a brick and mortar a location. You have a lot of home-based professional services franchise that might cost thirty-five to $50,000 total and give you some working capital. Well, uh, a $50,000 SBA loan, which is probably the smallest you're going to see, you, you might put $5,000 of your own money on you. There's some personal loans up uh, they will go out to $50,000. Prosper and some of those places like that would give that to you. Uh, and then the third way, you have cash. And, but it's, it's much easier than people think. Uh, franchises are, are much more lenient today than they were 10, 15 years ago about allowing people uh, to come in, even people uh, for certain franchises who have had problems in the past through their resumes. Uh, you know, we call it second chance opportunities or being given second chance opportunities by franchises, as long as you know it's not related to anything that got them in their situation initially.
don't know about stockfish. Then we might as well be me. That's the thing. I might have to go on stockfish. But I know how close is that to me. We are 23 miles from Edenton. We're stockfish 27 miles. Instead of that, say, when I was in college, I never got into the stock. Everyone out there, I had no reason to get into the stock the first time in 2012 when I graduated my bachelor's in 09. Now I get into the stock all the time from there to there. Doesn't seem that far away. Back in the day, so I thought it was a lot So I told you to stop preaching. You give us five years, and I think with the mayor and our city manager leadership and our great staff, we are gonna, it's gonna be a whole different ballgame. I think just y'all getting involved with me, but my email is very easy. It's on the city website, jtouchton at stopbridge.ca.gov. And I'm gonna be going to hear from you. I'm gonna send a letter out to all y'all. I wanna work with you all. And one thing I, I asked our big business is if you go to the hospital, Who's working with you to drive the house? Uh, what, what is your biggest challenge? They said, salaries. We have a hard time recruiting nurses and young professionals because they don't want to live down here because we don't have anything to do. So I said, well, are y'all driving the conversation in the county and the city? And they said, no. I said, well, you need to get involved, show up to meetings, tell them, this is what we need. We want to see this type of house. We need, we need, in order to keep our business going, we recruit, we need these things. I would encourage y'all to get involved me, look at transit, continue to tell you that we need some sort of transportation to solve that problem. And I, I really didn't believe the next, like I said, five years, stop is going to be, we're going to be all over the news. We're going to be, I go to these conferences and you know, other cities. That's a good five years, stop bridge. I think with our leadership and you all working, of course, there you on our folks here. I, I'm excited. There's a reason I come to work every day. I can be excited if I see so much opportunity. So I didn't even go along with you, but. I really hope that y'all get involved and let me know how I can help you. That's, it's not just our big business, but it is our small business that are really important. And that's uh, obviously, I think, what makes this region grow. So, with that, Thank you. 
with this growth that we are predicting it there in the future. So I encourage you to continue this great work because we will continue to be a part of it. So thank you. Yes, and Mayor Ford, thank you very much again for having this in conjunction with Ms. Shaw. Uh, Stockbridge is a great location right off I-75. Got a lot of great assets that, get, that they can leverage. With the amphitheater, just like we've seen in the city of Jonesboro, that that has started drawing a lot of small business growth into the city of Jonesboro. It's going to do the same thing for Mayor Ford. Uh, and I think with Stockbridge, you have good housing. A lot of great housing is, is here. You don't, you don't have dilapidated housing. You don't have to really worry about that. Uh, as I was sharing with him, the only thing that we saw was that uh, Henry County didn't get any of those opportunity zones. And I think Mayor Ford is in position along, I think, uh, his commissioner and his uh, mayor and uh, Councilman Lady, uh, Miss Neat Robinson, uh, they bring that opportunity zone here into the Stockbridge area. It really is going to allow for it to draw a lot of the investment uh, that will take it to the next level. Uh, Stockbridge being the largest city in uh, Henry County also has the, you know, they've got the Jodico Road project. You know, you sure have heard Mayor Ford at the Council of Quality Growth talk about all the great projects that are coming. And the thing is, from my perspective as a private sector business person who looks at the region, Starbucks is in very good shape. Uh, we'd love for you to buy some of our franchises to become business owners there. But if you just want to start a business, you know, this is a great town to be able to do it in. And you've got some great demographics in terms of uh, disposable income. Uh, so you've got the people here who are looking for places to spend their money. So give Stockbridge, give Stockbridge a second look if you have not about your business. And uh, when you start seeing some of those great uh, developments come down, like that Jodico Road project ought to be a very good, great project. Go by and spend your money because stores and companies, they vote with one thing. The, what you know, they look at one thing: who is spending money when when they come in, into the community? And that makes the decision whether or not they stay or start looking for someplace else to go. Probably about a year, two years after they're in. And you've seen some communities where people uh, did not spend their money in their community, and now their community is void of a lot of the the retail that uh, used to be there. the shots okay so I encourage you as you're sitting here and you're having access to comprehensive planning and you're hearing from city officials such as the mayor um, in terms of what's happening and what's coming don't wait for it to come 
and decide I need to invest in Stockbridge or in Henry County. And that's what happens so many times. You, when you invest, you're investing in what you don't see, not in what you see. Anybody can make an investment in what they see. And so always keep that in mind that that's what makes a good investment, that you're on the turning point of something great happening and you're sitting here at a, a point in time to be able to be on the front lines of that. And so I just encourage you not to sit on that information, that that's real, real important. Um, because a lot of times we will say, we weren't in the room, we didn't know that was happening. When did that get decided? And it's right there on the website, and you heard it from, you know, right from the sources. And so that's real important, um, you know, to, to invest in the city. Um, one of the things that I was, you know, completely um, mine, you know, discombobulated around was the idea of property taxes. The idea around right now, the city of Stockbridge don't have property taxes right now <laughs> because as a, as someone as, as the city is developing, everybody's going to probably want to do other things. But it's good to make sure that you're in on those conversations to say we want some property to, to see more growth. And so I just think it's a very, uh, as I sit here and, you know, been uh, very uh, blessed and thankful to be invited here um, this evening uh, by Mayor Ford and, and Ariel Shaw. Uh, I'm just excited around the opportunity and where I get to see and be a part of the city going. So thank you very much. Economically, the house that I bought had built is just 
least $40,000 less than it was in North Fulton County. The school system, I'm in, right? So what it amounts to, a little brief story, that's how I got here in 2004. So what I want to tell you, I'm here to say, and I'm telling you that we have, as I mentioned earlier, this is a jewel. Heavy County is a jewel, Stockton is a jewel. And I'm going to do all I can, along with the, in this position, along with the rest of the council and the staff, and when you citizens out here, to do what we can to bring this economic development this way. So I can at least, I, I like my brother-in-law, but I at least tell him, say, see that dude? We got it going on down here. Yeah. You're in the wrong place. I'm in the right place. So I just got to have one up on this guy. So it allows to do that. We have a lot of potential. You all see it. We're going to build on it. And it's nothing going to stop us unless we stop ourselves. We have no intention on doing that. We need to continue to grow. The growth is coming. And we need to take advantage of all these opportunities that are out here. And uh, I tell you what, uh, you can't beat it right now. Yes, no city property tax right now. You know, if it changes, that'll be the citizens deciding that change. Right. Not, not me. It'll be the citizens deciding that change. If it changes. But we've got a lot of, uh, a lot of things going on. And in this case, you know, I think most of my members realize stop here is the ancestral home to the King family, right? You didn't, did you know that? If you didn't know that, you know it now. Dr. Martin Luther King, or Daddy King, let's say Daddy King, was born and raised right here in Stop Ridge. Went to, gave his first sermon at the Floyd Chapel Baptist Church, which is about a quarter, let's say half a mile from here, uh, in this location. And uh, of course, he eventually left him with the, the Atlanta, and that's when you think about the King family, still right here, we talk about, we think more or less about Atlanta, Georgia, which is fun. Love Atlanta. I mean, we're in Atlanta, Metro, but it all started in the stock market. So that's one of the things we're going to capitalize on as well, the King family legacy, and the fact that, uh, that it's their family has started here. If you ever go to City Hall, which of course, City Hall is a public building, open to the public at all times, regular hours, of course, but uh, on our outside our chambers, we have a great big plaque identifying this ancestral home to the King family, so you can come up any time and look at that and read the, uh, the actual proclamations that are there. This aspect, and uh, we'll always be going to emphasize that as well during our centennial next year. Because we'll tell you right now, centennial next year is off the chain. All right, we're going to have a great time, and we're going to show you all what what is good going out here in Stockbridge, entertainment-wise, as well as development-wise, economic-wise. We've got a couple hotels already, with, uh, two hotels that are, that are going up right now. That construction is going up right now. Got a lot of things happening. Trail Network, Cultural Arts Center in future years coming out. So uh, a lot of things going on. I think James said earlier, we're going to be in the news quite a bit for a good positive thing. You'll see. It'll be on local news, it'll be on newspaper, all positive things. Mark my words. Okay? All right. I love it. Thank you. Thank you.
remember as I'm sitting here is a lot of times the things that we want 
we don't realize that they can sometimes come along with other displacement. So, and, but, but I, I, I'm being sensitive to um, the city of Stockbridge who have really good demographics of ownership and um, per capita. Because when you're recruiting a, or you want a Starbucks or a Whole Foods or someone like that to come into your community, they're looking at your per capita. How much money do, you know, is there? And if you're trying to keep affordable situations, then that becomes a problem. And so a lot of times, by the time the, the, the person gets a Whole Foods in their area, they're no longer there to enjoy it because they can't afford to live there. And so that's the, you know, the, the sensitive piece of what we want versus what does that come with. So even you know with Ariel when I was here um, visiting um, before you know there's a um, a brand out of Germany. Um, somebody say the name. Uh, all this. Not all these. Yeah, little, 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 little. yeah, little. So they have started building them in like um, Virginia and places like that where they are organic and they're great quality, but yet they're not, you know, they don't come with the higher prices because a lot of times the reason that Whole Foods and the places have to have such high prices is because of the real estate that they rent. And so this particular um, store, one of the things they look for is places where they can get real estate reasonable because it's really then it keeps the prices reasonable to be able to do that. And it's the same things that we um, purchase in, in other places. So yeah, that was one that, but yeah, so that, those are the things that, you know, a little sensitive to around real estate development and progress. Right, yeah. Yeah. Meets all day. It's got really good prices. It's got unique food. It's yep. really good. So, but yeah, I mean, what Sonia said, a lot of these people don't realize. Mm -hmm. I've worked with 134 for a reason. It's a balance. Because they do a great success. You will price yourself out. You know, that's a lot of the hard times. How do we grow? It's still a unique community we have. I'm bringing in a whole new community to move into your style. Well, Sonia's rubbing it. It's a really hard balance again. Yeah. With all the stuff that people say, oh, we want this. We don't want to tear this down. We want to keep this.
Um, very good question. And for some reason, Walk in Your Shoes, is that the name of your business? Walk in Your Shoes. So Okay, <laughs> I like that, I wrote that down. Um, so recently, um, over the last year, I took my, um, my passion for women businesses um, and I am the co-founder of a place that's called BioBio. Bio. And BioBio Bio stands for Beauty Inside Out, Business, Innovation, and Opportunity. So it's a new facility, we're about four months old, that's um, located in John Wesley Dobbs, but the uh, website is bookbiobio.com. So through that, what I was looking at was there was such a disenfranchisement of women, particularly women of color, being uh, business owners and consumers in the beauty industry, but not owning any of the beauty industry. And so the reason that we started that is to, for, for businesses in beauty, glam, style, and wellness, to be able to have a place to build their business. And so in that, we, we have on our website where you can fill out this kind of vision so we understand your vision for your business. Um, we meet with you to see what it is your business needs to grow, and then we look at funding where, you know, I've worked with Sylvester in certain cases, especially he's, he's been on my um, radio show around um, financing and, and franchising and getting money. And so we have a number of places that fit the need, and then sometimes it's just, we'll just make the investment in the business because it's something that we believe in and want to see and help growth. And so it's all depending on, on those on the different things, yeah. But I would love to get to know more about your business as well as the businesses that you serve for women. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. The table there. Did you want to add, Yvonne? Oh, it's book b o o k bio bio dot com. Beauty inside out. Business innovation opportunity. And you probably know Google. So that's why. Organizations that are affiliated with, with the Greater Women's Council or the Georgia Minority Society Women's Council. Just to add on, Chi Chi, again, we are having a funding pitch <laughs> August 28th, so please make sure you have your funding sign. Thank you. I, I just wanted to add, as far as from a debt perspective, that what we've got is a lot of little small loans from, uh, I think, from 10000 to about 40000 that run pretty good. It's only just, just going to be based off their personal credit. And uh, it's going to run rates are going to run anywhere from 10 to 12%. But you can go three, five, or seven years. And you don't need any collateral for that particular product. But you do need pretty good credit and we can sit down, we've got some credit people that can get their scores up to six to the 675, 680, probably in about two or three weeks if they're not too far off from there. 
So you know, so that that's one of our good if it's programs. Not too far off. And then uh, uh, also, as we talked about earlier, if you're already in business and have revenue, then you give us a lot to work with at that point. Thank you. And after the red jacket, that'll be the last question. So, <laughs> she, she popped up. Oh, no, no. Don't count me out. <laughs> you can say your name. Your question,
the same way you might have to play the world and have to make sure you're around the region. I would say, our level of efficiency, like the mayor, the way that he you see the same people in the crowd at every meeting. Folks don't want to show up and say, hey, I really want you to do this, I think it's much for this guy. You just get the folks the same as we want to do. Get out of the game, all the game, and have to do it. Now that was powerful. You can thank me later. But the information that was shared in that podcast, I think is going to that's going to be one of our most popular podcasts because uh, it's it's it was it was it was full of information that you needed. Uh, and I, I and we were glad to bring that to you. So they're going to be doing this again next year and make it bigger and better. Uh, and we're going to uh, host the audio uh, for that again. Maybe sometime we'll next time we'll have some video um, where we can have the video as a part of this as well. So share this episode, share this with as many people as possible. You're listening to this. Share it um, and just let them know, hey, this is an ec- economic development summit. And uh, it's some information in here that you need to know. If you're an entrepreneur, aspiring entrepreneur, you're on a job, you're an executive, whomever, you're in marketing, you need to listen to this podcast. And I thank you for listening to this podcast. Share it with your friends. Tell people about Geek Speak. Come back. Leave a message. Rate us. 
rate our podcast. Let us know how we're doing. Because without you, without the listeners, we won't be here. I won't be here. And I just want to thank you for tuning in.